Hello, um, my name is Nigel Anna Bilson. Call me Nigel Bilson, but um, I adopted the owner from my wife's uh, family name. She's Japanese, um, so the, hence my name has changed. So um, uh, I've got sort of two profiles in history, you might say. Um, who am I? I'm a designer, educator, thinker, doer, maker, uh, author, music, sometime musician. Um, yeah, I've been sort of a designer for many, many years now. I graduated in 1982 um, from a, a college course, doing graphics, four-year graphics course in Derby. Um, and in answer to the, the three questions, I suppose I should move on to immediately, um, that's been posed to me about past, present and future. Um, in answer to the, you know, about the first graphic design and visual communication piece, I suppose I noticed. I mean, I find that very difficult to say exactly the first piece because um, I think there's been so much and I'm just, I'm a bit of a sponge. I'm just constantly absorbing all the time. So I think one of the things that does stick out memorably to me was um, when I was actually studying uh, Derby over the four year courses, I remember going into, I wasn't totally enamored with my tutors at the time and I don't think they were giving me the right direction. It wasn't what I wanted to do in terms of the way I was working. And um, I used to spend a lot of time in the library trawling through as many design books as I could. Unfortunately, the college, I did have quite a good extensive array of like art books and design books. And I suppose the most important book for me at that time was The Pioneers of Modern Typography by Herbert Spencer. Um, again, I couldn't tell you when the first edition came out, but the first piece of work, I suppose the piece of work that sort of stood out to me and really just knocked me dead, you might say, or, or turned my head, was a piece of work, I think, I think it was the right piece of work. It was by Peach Fart, and it was produced in about 1925. Um, and I believe it was, it was an ad for Cableworks, the NFK in the Netherlands. So, um, and uh, so, it was just the way the typography was laid out, the fact that there was so much the space, the, there's the sense of, organization structure. I'd never seen anything quite like it before. It just absolutely blew me away. And um, it was just sort of, uh, it touched me deeply in a way that nothing else had sort of touched me in from a design perspective before. Um, so obviously as soon as I could, I rushed out and got a copy of my, my own of the book myself. I think I would have been about 19 at the time, maybe going on 20. Um, sadly, I, I mislaid the book, uh, the copy of the book, um, uh, when I think I was living in the Netherlands. I mean, there's a weird irony, uh, you might say, or a serendipity about it all, because um, uh, in the early 90s, I ended up working for, I was fortunate enough to go and live and work in, ha in Holland, and I, in the Netherlands, and I worked for Hardwerken for three years, which is an amazing seminal design company. Um, the book came out the other year, which there should have been a book before that. I mean, we, lots of people know about Studio Dunbar, but Hardwerken was the you know the other one. In fact, they were a sort of my I'd say more radical. Um, I've always been interested in counterculture, and uh, counterculture I suppose is part of my uh, DNA. So um, yeah, so it was Peach Fart, and you know, um, and I could see the lineage of his design work taken forward into the work of Hardwerken, and I see, and you can see it consequently amongst various designers and fraternity. Of designers within the Netherlands and actually reached out to America and you can see it in the, in the I, I personally think within the new wave of um, design that came out in the 80s in America with people like Alan Horry and Cranbrook and you know all of that that crowd um, 
so that was the first piece of design. So Pete Schwartz, um, yes, in the Lund Humphreys book by, you know, uh, Herbert Spencer, uh, Pioneers of Modern Typography. Um, check it out. It's just one of those things. I think there was amazing other pieces of work there. Uh, it was a great catalogue, a great introduction. I think, he, you know, it's a seminal book. And I think it's something that everybody should have. If they're interested in design, particularly typography in their, their library. Um, so moving to the second question about present, uh, asking about what am I working on? Um, well, I mean, the last year, I mean, we live in strange times, as we know, all of us at the moment. Um, I was in uh, approached last January. I've been working on a publication for a year, which is probably uh, unbelievable, really. I mean, I've never worked on something quite so long uh, or such had such a long timeline to work on a project. Um, it's actually a book. Um, I mean, I've been working on bits and pieces alongside, but I suppose it's the one I really want to talk about at the moment because it's not quite there. We're just about into production um, and print. Um, it's just been backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. It's been delayed because of assets, getting assets and, and elements collateral for the actual content. Um, it's a book for uh, which is a it's a it's it's a joint project between um, Sainsbury's Institute of Study of Japanese Arts and Cultures, which is based here in, in Norwich, and also the Ishibashi Foundation in Japan. Um, Ishibashi, Mr. The original Mr. Ishibashi was a big um, was a philanthropist and um, a big supporter of the arts in Japan. Um, Sainsbury's Institute of Studies in Japan, Japanese Arts is a, a foundation that introduces um, all sorts of aspects of Japanese culture. Um, and I think in latterly, in the last few years, I've sort of, because I, I had, you know, the connection with my wife, I've always been interested in Japanese culture. I lived in Japan, fortunately, in, um, in around 2000 to 2005 and uh, it seems to be something I've been drawn to more and more um, and I was approached because of a, another series of uh, books I designed for uh, an imprint as part of UEA, University of East Anglia, their prints and writing courses that a Kashiki series of short of chapbooks um, that, and, I, and I knew the actual director at the Sainsbury's Institute and they were very very keen to actually get me on board and see if I could work with them on Dunn's publication. It's, it's grown. Oh, God, it's, it was an initial book of about 150 pages and it's now gone to 178. And every week I get a new request of, oh, we need a glossary now. Oh, we needed this now and that now. I mean, you know, it's fine. It's just, it's just exciting and it's an interesting thing. It's um, an unusual book for me, sort of an area for me to work on because it's very much a historically focused. Um, I find it fascinating because I am interested in Japanese culture globally in many senses. Um, I would say that um, it's, it is essentially it's a book about um, a series of lectures uh, between 2014-2018. Uh, it was actually five lectures in total which were held in, in Japan in various institutes and uh, I think one was in a museum if I remember correctly. Um, and really the, the lecture series were a series of reflections on artistic and cultural interactions within the world. Um, the book is entitled, um, and I just have to look at it because it's a, such a, it's changed and it's the longest title you can imagine. Japan and the World, Artistic and Cultural Flows, the Ishibashi Foundation Lectures. So a bit of a mouthful, but um, 
it's fascinating. It, it talks about all, it, you know, ra the range of subjects that were actually discussed within lectures is quite fascinating from an anthropological point of view to it, you know, it also touches on east-west connections between the way that culture grew up within, from things like Stonehenge, the way that people, humanity developed right through to ceramics, through to Shogun Wars, through to many, many, many different things. Um, uh, and it's a very rich and interesting publication with lots of photographs. It's got items and elements of, you know, a different sort of piece of pottery, as I said earlier, um, to things from various different museums around the world. So it is a very large global publication. It's globally focused, you might say. And it is about the, the nature of the way that the, the culture, as it said, artistic and cultural flows that actually stem from Japan, but also influenced from America through to, you name it, through the Portuguese and, and the connections that, you know, um, Japan had uh, as over many, many centuries. Um, so that's that's sort of the main publication thing I've been working on. It's It's been, I, 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 I actually used this word, this phrase with the client recently and I thought afterwards, oh, actually perhaps you might attend the wrong way. Um, you know, it's been a labor of love. It has been, you know, it's been a really interesting conversation, a dialogue. Um, I'm very fortunate the client is absolutely to, uh, the client to die for, you know, you couldn't have a better client. Um, amazing to be able to collaborate and work in that way. I like to work with clients. I don't, I don't like to work for clients. I like to work with people because for me, what I bring to the table from a design perspective is about, you know, a perception and development and of ideas and approaches. Um, and, and I think that's how design should be. It's about how you work with people rather than apply things that they have, because I think sometimes that can go terribly wrong. And from past experience, it has gone, you know, I've had experiences of working on projects with clients where it, it, you know, in hindsight, it was not the right way to deal with things. Um, so anyway, that, so that publication, as I say, it's due to come out, it's due to go um, into a lot of institutes nationally, globally. Um, it, it's, it was going to be just originally 300 copies. It's, it's growing to about 500 and possibly even more. Um, it's supported by UEA as well because SISJAC, uh, Sainsbury's Institute of Study of Japanese Arts, in, a, in an abbreviation, is part of UEA because they have historical, they have courses there that deal with history of uh, arts and cultures to do with Japan and Asia. And it's backed by the Sainsbury's Institute itself, which is the museum and the Sainsbury's Foundation. So it's quite an interesting, rich cultural sort of um, publication. Um, I don't know ultimately where it's going to end up uh, in terms of where whether it's available. It's just been given an ISBN, which I, it wasn't part of the original deal. But so it, I don't know whether ultimately it will be made available in shops. Who knows? I can't say. But the, the point was actually it was about um, to promote and actually sort of, um, uh, I don't know, sort of reevaluate and uh, to appreciate that, you know, the, the content of those lectures. I mean, there's various different um, uh, academics who were involved with it, um, uh, notable academics globally, Japan and the UK, and I think a couple of Americans as well. Um, so that's what I've been working on. And apart from that, I'm, I'm, I'm involved with a, a, a startup business that, um, I started two years ago with my wife, uh, which is called Kobo AB, K-O-B-O-A hyphen B, Kobo being 
uh, Japanese for studio or atelier, um, and AB being an owner Bilson. Um, um, we decided we, 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 I mean, my wife's a writer as well as a, she's a textile designer, maker, potter, multi-nefarious like I am as well. We do lots of things. Um, and we sort of, um, through a probably, uh, uh, an imprint, um, that she's worked with in the past doing, t uh, craft work and craft books. We have got approached in around, I think that was about 2008, to write a publication about Japanese culture and Japanese craft and what, you know, and it was something I'd seen while I was we were living in Japan that I'd seen this fusion between East and West, which fascinated me. And it's something that still fascinates me about the way that you can, you might see a, a Japanese interior and you, see, you might see this incredible piece of, well, what I would call incredible, just a beautiful chair, which is either from, you know, you know, it's not a, a Ray, probably a, a Charles or Ray Eames, but something equally interesting culturally sitting on a tatami matting. And there was this sort of fusion that I found fa quite fascinating. So we, we actually proposed a book, uh, which we were asked to sort of come up with a proposal for a book about, you know, the East-West of integration of culture or craft or whatever. And ended up it ended up being um, two years ago. We set up a shop and we started in, importing vintage and antique um, Japanese materials fabric. I've been interested in a thing called borrow, which is the reparational process of of uh, indigo fabrics and garments, which was really a peasant thing. Um, we did a show exhibition. We have a collection of borrow garments that we've been collecting for a number of years. Um, the other year two years ago and so anyway it's, it's developed even a bit more into not just being that sort of cultural referencing or integration or or, or uh, introducing Japanese culture to the west that people might not have seen um, but also it's been it's a it's also an opportunity we sort of well, it's not an opportunity, that's the wrong, not what I mean to say, it's sort of developed into sort of more of a brand, which we didn't anticipate. So we've now got this thing that's sort of growing called Kobo AB, and, um, and it's an opportunity as a platform to talk about Japanese culture. And if you, and actually, so it's in a way, it's a, a symbiosis between that and, and uh, the publication I've been working on. That's why I think it's important to talk about it. Because I think my, my research and engagement with the Kobo AB projects as an entity is sort of fed my understanding of how to approach producing a dual language publication for Sainsbury's Institute of Japanese uh, study of Japanese arts and, and cultures. Um, it is something that's growing alongside my other massive interest within, you know, design culture anyway. Graphics is just sort of, I know, I, I just, I can't stop buying books. I, you know, it's just ridiculous. Uh, I, I never have enough time to read them all. You know, you know, if you could see the, the Zoom, you'd see there's a massive pile of them stacked up in the back of, <laughs> of my room. Um, waited part of it, some of them waiting to be read. Um, yeah, I'm interested in design education. Uh, I'm fascinated with about how it's grown up through mid-century. I am a modernist, if, if one can say that. I've often been challenged about it. I'm very interested in about the way that design um, grew in Europe, you know, going back to Rajenko and uh, Alexander Rajenko, and particularly, you know, the style and, and, and the way the influence of, of modernism ha has developed and, uh, and actually sort of transcended into both America, exported out to America, and you could see that within Emigre, Rudy van der Laan's Emigre magazine, and, you know, right up to date. 
and you know we're seeing it now within you know swiss movement of typography you know over to ecal you name it so it's fascinating but um so yeah i suppose that takes it in a loop back to why you know uh, back to the actual herbert spencer and peach fart i mean it's still interesting to note there's like massive overlaps you know with you know helmut schmitz the designer sadly passed away a few years ago and his contemporary approaches to design and you know he's a he was an immigrant from Japan, uh, Germany, living in Japan. Um, so anyway, bringing that, yeah, I suppose I should move on to the the, the third, <laughs> the third future. Yeah, what <laughs> an impossible question to really answer. I often, you know, have asked about this before, and from an educational point of view, um, I, I believe, you know, I think, you know, I believe students are designers. I believe, you know, as soon as you engage in it. Um, you know as a future as a young creative you are a designer start as you put your foot on that you know that that first step towards whatever it want you want to do as a career or whatever you do um i think you become you you are an advocate for you know career and design culture um i've got a daughter who's 20s now following my footsteps and is currently at camberwell learning graphic design, which I never saw that was going to happen. And that's a very odd scenario. And we have amazing conversations about design. Um, you know, so I, I feel a bit guilty because I feel sad, uh, you know, a bit guilty that she comes back to me and asks me sort of points of view as a tutor. <laughs> so she, she talks to you tutors in Camberwell, but anyway, they're great crowd down there. It's a great course. But I mean, in answer, I suppose, what could I say? I, I mean, I've said various things in the past. I think for me, it's follow your heart, belief in you, believe in yourself. It's the belief in yourself. It's a belief in what you can do, and and do what you believe you can do. Um, I think it's we live in a world of, and particularly since you know social media and digitalities, you know, been become so embedded in everything that I think don't be reliant on what people say. Don't be reliant on what you know presumptions or assumptions be be reliant on yourself you the answer is inside you it's in your heart and the most important thing is to follow your heart and don't be you know beguiled or or, or believe that somebody else has got the right answer you probably got the answer yourself it's as simple as that